really glad to welcome in our guest today, Noah Church. We have a lot of fantastic things that we're going to talk about with him. One of the biggest things I think is the brain science. You know, Karen, we have the ebook, Your Brain on Porn, and it's just always intrigued me to see how pornography use impacts the brain because there's a significant impact on it. So that's one of the things we'll talk about with Noah. Noah, thanks so much for being on with us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. You know, before we dive into this brain science and this idea that our brains are getting killed by porn, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to the point where you're helping people in porn recovery. Well, like a lot of the people who find themselves driven to help others with a specific issue, I dealt with it myself. I started, I was first exposed to porn at probably age nine or 10, as best as I can remember. And it became a fixation for me throughout my adolescent years. And it wasn't until much later as an adult, when I was 24, that I I fully realized what impact it had been having on me in my relationships, in my inner life and how I viewed sex and intimacy and love. And it was the TED Talk, Gary Wilson's TED Talk, The Great Porn Experiment, that was my light bulb moment. And that you know, was a moment that started a domino effect that changed my life forever. And that's when I decided no more. I want a different path for myself. I want to do whatever it takes to leave porn behind and move into the next chapter of my life. that's hopefully going to be filled with real love, real intimacy, real relationships. And once I did the impact of that and how much it changed my life was so powerful that I felt like I couldn't keep it to myself. And I knew that there were so many other people my age or younger who had been growing up on the same material and who needed this knowledge that I was now gaining. And so I decided to write a book Uh, whack addicted to internet porn. And I started speaking publicly where I could. I started making videos on YouTube, just answering the questions that I was getting and eventually became a personal coach working with people one-on-one who were struggling with porn related problems in their own lives and relationships. And for the past seven or eight years, that's what I've been doing. And I've personally worked with hundreds of people and seen just how much harm people can invite into their lives unknowingly, unintentionally by beginning the porn habit and just how much benefit they can reap by leaving it behind and moving through the process and the journey of becoming permanently porn free. Wow. That's, that's an incredible story and a great journey that you've been on. And I love how you're discipling people and helping them find freedom. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I found really interesting was that you spend a lot of time kind of talking through what pornography is doing to our brain. And that's very appealing to a lot of younger people who are trying to understand why they can't stop watching pornography. They, they want to, they just don't understand why they can't make it happen. Um, would you talk a little bit maybe um, about about what pornography is doing to our brain and some of the things that you've seen in working with clients? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is very important to know because if we just tell our children like, hey, pornography pornography is bad or it's harmful, but without them really understanding what impact it can have, not only in their brain, but their relationships and their lives moving forwards, it's, I think it's disempowering. And right. I was educated as a young child about the dangers of too much alcohol or tobacco use. And I was always firm in my commitment, like not to smoke tobacco because I, I cared about my health and I cared about having a long, happy life. 
And if I had been similarly educated about the impacts of chronic pornography use on the brain and the consequences of that on my personal health, you know, honestly, it might not have stopped me from looking at it at all, but I certainly would have been able to recognize the impacts sooner and do something about it and not get nearly as deep as I did. So internet porn is what we call a supernormal stimulus or a super stimulus. And that's a, a term coined by the researcher and the Nobel Prize winner, Nicholas Tinbergen, who did studies on animals and found that you know, we all have within us cues that excite a response in our brain that makes us feel desire. You know, for us, it might be a slice of cake or an especially you know, beautiful person, something like that. For an animal like a bird, it might be the color and shape of their eggs you know, that makes them have a desire to want to incubate them and keep them warm. And he found, for example, that shorebirds, if you presented them with fake eggs that were bigger and more colorful and like more stimulating that they would choose to abandon their real eggs in, in favor of those fake eggs mm -hmm. or that the male jewel beetle would prefer to copulate with the back of a brown beer bottle than a real female because the back of the beer bottle to him looks like the, the biggest, most beautiful female that he's ever seen. And he found that there's no upper limit built into the brain to control for these supernormal stimuli. And in the human world, some of our food is a supernormal stimulus, you know, designed to be you know, fatty and sweet and salty in all the right ways to, to activate that binge mechanism within us and make us want more and more. And internet pornography in a similar way is kind of like the, the junk food of sexuality and presents us with, even though we rationally know it's just images on a screen, our, our deeper brain is responding to it like we have hit the evolutionary jackpot and are presented with all these sexual opportunities. And we, since we can always see something new on the internet, because there's more X-rated content than we could see in 10 lifetimes, our hunger for that novelty is never satisfied. And so a lot of guys, myself included, fall into that trap of going back to it again and again and, and losing balance in our life and masturbating to it far more than we would be masturbating if we were just relying on our own fantasies and internal imagery. And what happens to a lot of people who fall into that trap is that they begin to grow a tolerance. You know, they get numb to it because our brains, they find a homeostasis, they find a balance. And so if we're consistently exposing ourselves to say nicotine, we'll grow a tolerance to nicotine and we will need more cigarettes to get the same feel that we used to get after one cigarette. And with this, it's the same where the same content that used to get us so excited and now maybe doesn't do it for us anymore. And so we're seeking more and more novel imagery or more extreme genres or something new and shocking that excites us to the same degree or a similar degree that we first encountered when we started using. And that can lead people to develop more extreme sexual tastes and perhaps sexual preferences that are incompatible with their own morality or with a real sexual relationship. And eventually, like myself, when someone who grows up on this stuff finds himself in a bedroom with maybe their new wife or, or a partner that they love, that stimulation of just one person, one real person in front of them who loves them and wants to make love to them might not be enough to arouse them anymore because they're so desensitized and conditioned to the specific experience of being alone with a computer screen rather than being with someone you love. This is crazy to think about the impacts, you know, and, and this isn't 
you know, obviously different levels of, of morality with the, the people that are listening today. But I mean, this just goes down to basic science, basic biology and what happens to our bodies with porn mm-hmm. when, when we're using it. You know, when you work with people, not just sharing your own story, but sharing with them these truths about what is happening to our brains. What happens in the in those people that you work with? Does a does a light bulb come on? Are they in shock? Like, can you talk a little bit about that experience? <laughs> well, I seldom anymore am introducing people to this concept for the first time personally because the people I work with have already maybe read my book or watched a lot of my videos, so I don't necessarily see their initial light bulb moment, but I see the after effects of that. And pretty much universally, they say, oh, I wish I knew this years ago. I would have had a chance to, to change all this. I didn't realize that, you know, this maybe general ennui or lack of motivation and joy in my life or lack of success in my relationships might all be at its core stemming from my use of pornography. And that's the thing is that as we mess with our brain chemistry by desensitizing ourselves with these large um, large um, releases of dopamine on a consistent basis. It's not just desensitizing us to the touch and the sight of someone we're attracted to. It's also having other impacts as well. And these are usually not noticed while it's happening because it can be a slow process that happens gradually over years. But once people quit using porn, the changes and the reversal of what has been happening can happen much quicker. And so they notice, oh, wow, like I have a lot more energy now, or I'm more focused, or I have more ambition, or I'm more socially confident. I'm enjoying just conversations in my day-to-day life a lot more. And my emotions are, are stronger and the color is coming back into my life. And so it has a much greater impact than just um, on one's personal or romantic or sexual relationships. Yeah, I can definitely track with that just in my own journey with pornography of just feeling this intense anger. And and I couldn't explain it, you know, when I was in the midst of, of, you know, the, the worst of the battle, you know, and, and it getting taken out on the people around me uh, and not, not knowing it, but the further I go away from porn, like you were saying, the more I, I, it was like lifting the blinders from my eyes. I could see things more clearly and uh, it was like a whole different world. And so I think, I think that's amazing. And, and I think it too, Noah, speaks to this term of neuroplasticity that yeah. no matter what we do to our brains, they have the ability to heal, which I think is fantastic. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect? Well, yeah, you know, neuroscience is still a very much evolving field. And until the last few decades, it was widely believed that once a human reaches adulthood that the brain stops growing and changing. But now we know that that's not true and that it can, it can change and even grow in different ways throughout our lives, depending on what, what substances we're ingesting, what accents we're taking, what we're learning. You know, if you learn a new language uh, as an adult, you're, there are going to be structural changes in your brain to reflect that. And if you, you know, have been desensitizing your, your brain, maybe with long-term pornography use, but then you quit, Uh, you you can also see changes in the brain because of that. And those changes on a structural or neurochemical level will be reflected in your experience of life in very real ways. Yeah. And so the reason I I bring that up is because I want our listeners to know that there is hope. Like pornography doesn't have to just be the end of your life or, or the cycle that you get stuck in. There is hope. There is healing available as, as part of the journey. 
Yeah. A lot of people I work with have expressed to me that fear of, you know, I think it's too late for me. You know, I think I might be the worst case or there's no going back for me. And I've heard that so many times and I've seen so many of those people eventually say, you know what, Noah, you were right. There was hope for me. (laughs) And I'm so glad that I didn't give up on myself and I, I hung on to optimism. And yes, it was a huge challenge maybe to change my life in this way. Uh, you know, we pornography use, it has a function in people's lives and eventually, you know, the function that it has, it's doing more harm than good, but usually it, it serves an emotional purpose where it's something that people use to bring themselves back to their baseline, to cope with emotions that they, they don't know how to handle otherwise. And just like with other compulsive or addictive um, substances and behaviors, like someone might feel like they need a cigarette in order to get back to their baseline and, and cope with their emotions. But ultimately, they end up needing that cigarette because they're craving nicotine. And if they weren't a smoker at all, they probably have a much less irritation or much less emotional need for comfort. And with porn users, yeah, often, you know, maybe they feel lonely, maybe they feel depressed or aimless. And instead of sitting with that emotion or, or striving through it and figuring out what the source of it is and doing something about it or finding solace in other ways by like talking it out with friends or uh, like engaging in something creative, playing music, something like that, they turn away from it or they try to numb it or escape from it just by flooding their brain with all this stimulation that when you're in that experience, you can forget about everything else. But of course it doesn't really address the source of the stress of the, or the, the difficult emotion. And when you're done, not only do you, have you not addressed it, but now you feel like, Oh, like here, I, I did it again. I wasted another hour or, you know, I, I, pr- I told myself I wouldn't do this anymore. And now I did. And now there's that extra burden of, of guilt or shame. And, you know, it's not all just neurological, it's also psychological. And if you're, you know, sometimes the people I work with, if they don't have any shame or guilt about masturbating to pornography, maybe they didn't grow up in an environment where that was, that was told that was something they shouldn't do. And they just feel like, oh, everyone does it. It's fine for me. And then once they start trying to quit, their quality of life can actually go down for a while if they start struggling to maintain that promise to themselves, because now they're at war with themselves and they're, they're in a battle that they feel like, Oh, like I, I want this thing. I want to be porn free, but I'm finding myself unable to do so. And so they might actually feel like there's more stress and more conflict in their lives than there was when they were just an ignorant regular user. But that doesn't mean that the solution is just to go back to using porn. It means that the solution is to get help and guidance and use the tools available like covenant eyes, use coaches or therapists and the the guidance of others who have walked that path before them and figure out how to become permanently born free and really start the next chapter of your life. Yeah. You know, I think it's a, it's certainly a fantastic opportunity for our listeners to know that there is help out there like covenant eyes, but you also Noah, you do a lot of great work in helping people using your personal pain, you know, in, in writing the book, in doing coaching, talk a little bit about that uh, as we talk and kind of transition into resources that are available for those who do need help. Well, speaking of resources, you know, covenant eyes is something that I've recommended to people for a long time. Uh, something that I've, I still use myself, you know, I, I realized I went through my own period of relapses. It wasn't just that I had the light bulb moment and then it was permanently porn free. I realized that 
I, I underestimated the strength of my own addiction to porn and yeah, I struggled with relapse after that and needed, needed to figure out what I needed in order to become permanently porn free. And part of what I needed was accountability and the help of people who loved me. So yeah, I still have my, my sister and my mother and my best friend as accountability partners. So I know that when I'm on my devices, I'm not completely alone. I'm not in isolation. And if, if I did look at something, then it would turn into a conversation with those people in my life. So it helps take away the temptation or the thought from even crossing my mind. And yeah, I, I do encourage people to use the tools that are at their disposal. Some people feel like, oh, it doesn't count unless I, I do it without any of those tools. But that's like saying, you know, it doesn't count unless I build my house with no power tools. You know, that, that might be an ad admirable thing to do um, if you really care about it, but you're probably going to end up with a worse house and it's going to take you a lot longer than if you just use the tools at your disposal. And yeah, people can still find me and the courses that I've made and ways to get my personal help and all my videos like on YouTube that I, I share for free and my resources like that on my website, which is addicted to internetporn.com. And we'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well so that you can check that out, Karen. Yeah, Noah. So, you know, this problem is so big and, you know, we'll just kind of address the, the elephant in the room. And, you know, I know you do a ton of work for uh, another company that um, mm -hmm. provides educational resources and tools. And, you know, a lot of people might think, well, why would you have Noah on your podcast to talk <laughs> about this? And, you know, the funny thing is, is that Covenant Eyes, we have been doing this for 22 years and we partner with all sorts of organizations. Our our top leaders in the company are good friends with all sorts of people in our industry because this problem is so big and there is going to be so many different angles you can take in approaching this. Um, so I just want to kind of call that out to our listeners who might be thinking, huh, I thought Noah did some things with another. Yes, he does. And you know what? That's okay because we want people to find freedom no matter what resource you're using. Obviously, we our preferences using Covenant Eyes, but that's not the only way. Our biggest mission, and I think this is where there's some alignment, Noah, is that we care deeply about helping people address pornography addiction and to find freedom so they can have their best life. Uh, so many people are are living subpar lives because they're carrying this bondage with them. And, and we're both of our organizations are committed to that freedom, I believe. Is that fair to say, Noah? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's I, mean, I think we're still in the early adopter phase where the majority of people who actually have problems with porn aren't aware of it yet, aren't seeking solutions. And yeah, we're, I think we're in the next 10, 20 years going to see just a huge flood of people who are looking for these answers and looking for solutions. And yeah, you're right. I, I have for the past year worked with a company. Uh, we have an app. I've, it's quite different from Covenant Eyes. You know, it comes out, it offers different resources. I think that both are very valuable and unique on their own right. But yeah, I realized that no matter how many people I helped one-on-one, -on -one, um, like I would never be able to make a significant dent. Not that you know, even one person is very significant, but statistically significant dent or like the the amount of impact that I wanted just on my own. So when I found this this company and saw what they were doing, I realized I wanted to be a part of that and make it as best as possible. So yeah, we, we have an app. Um, I was brought on originally to create courses for the app and work with other experts to make courses. Now I do other things for them. Yeah, we're, we're called Remojo. It's a, a company based out of London in the UK. 
and yeah, I'm excited for, for the future and like how many people that we can, that we can empower to make the changes in their lives that I was able to make, but hopefully have more resources than I did at the time and have an easier time of it than I did. Because I, for me to go into some more of my personal story for the first seven or eight months of my journey, I was able to stay porn free, but I didn't realize that complacency was going to be a big killer for me. And that's something that I warn people about now is that if you forget the lessons that you learned and the actions that you took to, to free yourself from that cycle, it's easy to invite that back into your life and to open that door again. And once it's open and I did open that door again and went back and, and used porn again, it's even more difficult to close the second time. Yeah. I, I can track with that as well. <laughs> I, uh, I had a moment where I went 19 months and, and that fall was, uh, was debilitating for, for mm. a few months. Um, wondering if that freedom was actually possible after going 19 months and following. So, um, you know, no, I, as we come to the end here, I just want to thank you, first of all, for being willing to use your struggle as a gift to help so many others. I think that's what's so great about organizations like yours, your work, and and the other people that we work with at Covenant Eyes is a lot of them are coming from a background of experiencing that personal pain and wanting to help others break free of that pain because we know <laughs> just how painful it can be. So thank you so much. Uh, the other aspect here is that we have a lot of ministry leaders who are listening to this podcast and all the different guests we have on. And we see that the church has been slow to adopt a plan for attacking porn, even though it's one of the biggest struggles that people in the church struggle with. So what message, Noah, would you have for our leaders listening today about being willing to do something, just anything to begin that process of helping, or if they have begun that process, take the next step in being able to help those that they serve? I think it's so important to start breaking the taboo of talking about this because not talking about it, hasn't helped, you know, not talking about it got us to where we are today, where, where most people, the average age of first exposure to pornography is 11 years old, where anywhere from like 80 to 90, 95% of young men are using porn on some regular basis, you know? So we need to be able to start talking about it, even though it's uncomfortable, even though we might not have all the answers yet. So yeah, you can start educating yourself by looking at the resources on Covenant Eyes, by reading my own book or a book like Your Brain on Porn by Gary Wilson. And you can start to empower yourself with that knowledge and start just having a conversation. And maybe it doesn't have to be in front of the whole congregation first time. Maybe it can just be among your friends or your fellow pastors or you know, just starting to have that conversation more and more. So you get more comfortable with it and you get uh, more confident in talking about it. And I think maybe for a lot of people, some of the difficulty in talking about it is because they're using porn themselves and maybe they don't want to feel like a hypocrite or maybe they're, they're struggling morally with that. And yeah, I want, I want to take away the shame of it because for so many people, it's just a trap that they walked into when they were too young to be able to make an informed decision. And they might have a lot of shame about that now about their use of pornography, but um, yeah, it, it shouldn't be something that you fault yourself for because more than likely you weren't adequately warned about that trap and you walked into it because it's been designed 
very intentionally to be as addictive as possible and to tap into your, your brain's desire for sexual connection as powerfully as possible by, you know, people who have vested monetary interest in doing so and in hooking as many people as they can. So I encourage you to forgive yourself in that. And yes, strive to, as an adult, take that responsibility upon yourself to do something about it and to seek help and guidance. But don't let any of that stop you from just talking about it, just having those conversations, because it's those conversations that free other people to think, okay, maybe this doesn't have to be some dark part of my life that I tell no one about. You never know when you're, when you open up and you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you, you start this conversation, who you're going to empower to do the same and to finally you know, seek some help. You don't know who around you might be hiding this part of their life and might be struggling with a lot of inner turmoil and pain because of it. And I found that for myself, like a lot of people came out of the woodwork. Once I started speaking about this publicly, saying like people I knew in school or something saying, I just want to thank you for speaking out about this. I've struggled with this too. Uh, it really means a lot. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I, I always think back to this video I saw, I think it was uh, maybe at a TED talk or something. Somebody shared like a YouTube video of a guy who goes out and is dancing really goofy. And he's just in the middle of this like concert outdoors. And then one crazy person doing something like that brings on a couple more and then a couple more. And then by the end of this <laughs> video, everybody's acting crazy and, you know, and joining in. But it really just takes one person to kind of break through. And you're talking about being that one person and, and sharing because really sometimes we have to do things that feel a little weird, a little out there, but once we do, others feel free to join in and to find that freedom too. So I, I'm so grateful for you sharing your story and all of the good information that you did today, Noah. It's been really such an honor to have you on. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity and it's so great to be with, with two others, two other courageous beings who have chosen to, to take on this battle as well. Awesome. Amen. Thanks so much, yeah. Noah. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah.